Hello and welcome to Sounds of Smoke, a mystery adventure podcast. Thank you everyone for listening. Please remember that all characters, people, events, and situations are completely made up for your fictional pleasure. They do not represent any real-life people, events, or pets, and any likeness to a reality is purely coincidental. It's just a story. Episode 11. Dave has chlamydia. As Lola went to the living room to get her purse, Dave put a small matchbox-like device on the kitchen counter. He looked at me. Sorry, buddy, but this needs to be done. He pointed towards the stove. The burner was still on. I nodded, taking a deep breath. I leaned over it and blew it out, leaving the gas still going. Then Lola came back in and he pushed her out of the house. I started heading outside into the backyard. Nick followed with Francis's body in a duffel bag. I wish it was that easy, that we could just leave Francis in the house as it blew to pieces. But no. Just because Francis is dead doesn't mean that he still wouldn't be useful. Oh man, how creepy is this business? Very creepy. I walked to the fridge and took out a 12-pack of beer and new IDs from the freezer. I seem to keep a lot of important stuff in the freezer. Before walking out, I stop, turn around, and go back to the kitchen to grab a coffee tin. I can't believe I almost forgot it. The key. Like, one of the most important things in this current situation, and I almost let it blow up with the house. I take one last look back. Hopefully, I haven't forgotten anything else. Well, it's been a real house. Damn. I heard Dave driving out. This needs to be done. Dave's right. This way, it's cleaner, and besides, not all will be lost. I closed the door of the house behind me and walked deep into the black of the backyard. I reached the end of the lawn and started to push my way through the tall, thick bamboo, carefully so I didn't break any branches, until I felt my feet get wet from water. I was in the pond, so I jumped into the fishing boat that I had kept there. Nick started it up, and on we went into the dark. Slowly, with no wake, out of the pond and into the bay water. Once we were in the deep water, we weighted Francis's body and threw it overboard, marking the coordinates. I opened the cooler that I had kept on the boat and took out two changes of clothing, for me and for Nick, some jeans and a pair of Hawaiian shirts. I heard police sirens in the distance. That is an interesting response time. Not as bad as I'd hoped. Regardless, we were already on the bay. I put a case of beer into the cooler and gave Nick his new IDs and boating license. My phone went off, a text message from Dave with his address. He says that if he's not there before us, to tell his dad that the password is Clementine. Jesus, is the whole family Trademasters? Not that unusual. Trademaster is usually a family business. I texted back okay and that I was on my way. As we turned the boat lights on and picked up speed, I heard it. Nick slowed down, and from the middle of the bay, there was a giant red-orange fireball rising from behind the trees. There went my house. We opened a few cans of beer and poured them out and threw the empty cans around the boat, while each one of us held onto an open can and took a sip. As we were slowly cruising towards the town marina, we heard another siren behind us. The Bay Constable. 
I went quickly below deck and hid the guns. Nick took his gun out from his person and put it under the seat. I came back up, gave him the thumbs up. Let's try not to kill any police tonight, okay? Let's try, said Nick. Okay, play it drunk, bro, I said to myself. Nick slowed down and waited for the popo boat to approach us, and one of them jumped on board. Hello. Isn't it a bit late to be out here on the bay, gentlemen? License and identification, please. There was an explosion, don't know if you noticed, so we are checking all unusual activity. What are you doing out here so late? said the officer. Nick took out his ID and his boating license. She's not gonna get a good of me! I screamed as loud and drunkenly as I could. Sorry, officer. My buddy here's having a hard time. He just got divorced and I thought I'd take him out on my boat to distract him, said Nick, pointing at me. I continued doing my best drunk bro impression, drinking a whole can of beer while spilling it all over myself in one go, then crushing it on my forehead, and of course, trying to make it look like I'm crying. She's a bitch! She... 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 I don't... I don't care. You know, like, you find a girl and marry her and you take care of her and then she's... She just rips your heart out, man. Like... Like like a monster bitch. Monster bitch Zilla. <laughs> hey, that's, that's a good one, monster bitch Zilla. And I trailed off. Right, said the officer, looking around at the beer cans around the boat. And me? Where are you guys headed now? The officer continued. We're over at the Osprey Cove, officer, renting the house at 17 Shore Road, said Nick. I pretended to pass out. Okay. This all seems to be in some sort of order. Yeah. It's late. It would be wise for you guys to get home now. As I said, we had an explosion earlier. Yes, thank you. I think it's bedtime for my friend anyway. We'll head home right now, said Nick. The bay pig handed over the license and jumped back over to his boat and left. Nick started the engine again and we headed over towards the marina near the cove. Told you, this works every time. I don't know why, but divorce guys are always a sympathy case. Nick shook his head and kept driving the boat. Just once, why can't you pick it to be a happy event? Like a birthday or a bachelor party? Yeah, yeah. I opened my eyes and for the second time in a row I realized that I have passed out and now I'm waking up in someone else's house again. Although this time, I knew exactly where I was. I've woken up in this room a million times before. I stretched out and then turned around and looked at the wooden headboard. And there it was. Dave has chlamydia. I carved at one time in Dave's bed. He didn't think it was funny because his girlfriend at the time was convinced that he was cheating on her. She was a one crazy jealous bitch. Not sure how wrong she was, though. Dave is a man slut. Apparently, he had to explain it to a lot of girls. I thought it was hilarious. Yep, I was in Dave's room. He still had some of the same stuff. Nicer tech, though. His record collection grew. He had nicer couch. I saw a pair of shoes by the couch and a crumpled blanket. Just like the old days. I would crash on a bed and Dave would take the couch. I got up and walked around the room. The door opened. It was Dave. I thought I heard you stumping. Ha <laughs> ha, I wasn't stumping. 
he leaned back on the bed. How do you feel? All right, I guess. Did I pass out or did you poison me? Nah, you were exhausted. You crashed. Speaking of, your mom called. I told her you crashed at my house, but call her back so she doesn't go cray. Oh, shit, yeah. I haven't been home yet. Is it safe for me to go home? Are my parents safe? I think you're okay, since you don't know anything on purpose, right? I don't. I'll go back with you to your house, just in case. Also, we need to take a road trip, so you might want to pack an overnight or more bag. A trip? Oh, God, I don't want to ask. Where is Victor and Nick? Did they survive? Breakfast downstairs. Come. My parents are dying to say hi. Downstairs? The retrieval team is downstairs having breakfast with your parents. Right. Okay. Fine. Dave smiled. Sometimes I hate his smug face. Come, you need food. I need coffee. Dave got up and started to walk down to the kitchen. I followed. I stopped midway across the stairs and stared at the wall. It was a framed picture of us from the prom. We both had our own dates, but since we shared the limo, Dave's mom insisted we take a picture together, just the two of us. She clearly had her own ideas. Wow. Where are you at? Oh man, yeah, that was a good night. We got so stoned, said Dave. Yeah, we did. Wow. Look at us. We were so young. But we thought we were so grown up. Damn. My feet reached the bottom step and I turned the corner to enter the kitchen. The following scene unfolded before my eyes. Victor, Nick, Mr. JJ, Dave's dad, were all seated at the table. That was covered with guns and other weapons-looking things. While Mrs. JJ, Janine Jacobs, I know, Dave's mom, was pouring them all coffee and simultaneously screaming at them to not disassemble guns at the table. Janine noticed me staring in shock, and she slapped JJ on the head. See, you have woken up Lola. I told you to keep it down. Lola, honey, come here. How are you feeling? Oh, honey, this must all be so confusing for you. Come here, sweetie. Janine came over to me and gave me a strong hug. She held me for a while, and then grabbed my hand and led me towards the table. Sit down, honey. I'll make you some breakfast. Do you still eat eggs? Or are you one of those vegans now? She looked at me with a look of sadness, as if being a vegan is more horrible than being an underground killer. No, Janine, I am not a vegan, and I have never been a vegan. Except for those two months in college. Yeah, except for those two months in college. Thanks, Dave. And that was only because I thought I was allergic to dairy or meat, and... It turned out I, it was nuts, but no, I'm not a vegan. Anymore? Yes, shut up, Dave! Oh, good, because I know they say it's healthy, but you know, you need protein. You are a young female, and you need to make sure that you don't become anemic, because as a young female, you lose a lot of blood monthly and... Oh my God, no! Yes, Janine, I'll have some eggs, please! This was getting more awkward and weird by the moment. I looked around the table and saw that all men froze and then immediately resumed their activity, as if nothing personal was ever said. Nick 
continued stuffing his face as usual, and JJ and Dave were in some discussion over which explosive is most efficient in a small room environment. I caught Victor's eyes. Are you okay? Well, that was embarrassing and not needed information from Janine. Um, yeah. Oh god, kill me now. Janine has poured me some coffee and put out a cup of hot milk, some honey, and cinnamon next to me. Here, honey, so you can mix it just how you like it. Wow, this woman remembers everything. I grabbed Janine's hand. Hey, Janine, um, I don't understand. Are you... is this... I wasn't sure where to start or what exactly to ask. Are you Dave's real parents, or is this like a fake family? Mr. JJ started to laugh. Janine gave JJ a mean look. Stop that. Can't you see she's upset? Ignore him. He's an idiot. Yes, honey. We are his real parents. Little Davy started to train when he was only four years old, said Janine. I looked at Dave and then at Victor. I'm with her. Even though Trademasters happen to be a generation business, the fact that the whole family is a unit is unusual. It happens. Some trade masters do keep it in the family. I see. Janine put a plate of hot food in front of me. I'm not sure I'm hungry. I'm too confused. But without even realizing it, I finished the whole plate in a matter of seconds. I guess I was hungry. So, I thought about the grave you asked me. I see everyone pause, and then turn to look at Dave. He shrugs. What? We all wanted to know. Right. Well, as I was saying, you know how the Green Hollow Project is our starting point? Well, that's where I found a grave. I was inspecting the warehouse. I was walking around and I tripped over something. I looked down to see what it was that made me trip, and I couldn't believe my eyes. It was a slant marker. You know, the flat gravestone? There it was, a grave in the middle of a warehouse. How is that even possible? The date of death was 1981. The building was built in 1954. So, the grave was put in after the building was built? That is not possible. Now, the name on the grave was Charles S. Smith, 1934 to 1981. I called the police, and after being as confused as I was about how was there a grave in the floor of the warehouse, they said they will check and see if there is an, anyone related to the name or the grave or if they have any records relating. As soon as I have submitted the report and requested to investigate further, I was let go. I never got anywhere, really. After I was let go, I called back to the police about the case, thinking maybe I can clear the situation up and get my job back. But they said the case was now closed and reclassified to high clearance, and that they can't help me. I tried researching the name or the record of death or the burial, but I couldn't find anything. No obituaries, no death records, no birth records, nothing. I remember where it was, and maybe if it's safe, we can go up there and I can show you the grave, if it's still there and wasn't covered up. But we will have to take a trip to Jersey. I don't know if that works with the trip you had planned, Dave. I looked at them as I sipped my coffee. They were all unanimously pensive, is the way I described the look. Am I missing something? Hello? Guys? We docked at the house at 17 Shore Road. 
Apparently it is vacant and is frequently rented out. I looked around and couldn't see a car in the driveway. I looked at Nick. Dude, there's no car. I don't think stealing a car is the best idea right now. Nick looked at me and then looked, took out his phone. What's the address again? I looked at Nick's phone and he was about to call for ride or die. Dude, are you sure it's safe for us to ride or die? They're neutral, so I think it's our best bet. Ugh, fine. Ride or Die is a taxi service for all the sketchy shit. You want to move an escaped convict, 100 pounds of dope, illegal black market body parts, or a dead body? You dial Ride or Die. My anxiety was due to the fact that, yes, Ride or Die were neutral, but if there was a hit on us, they could take it if they wanted. The only reason I agreed on this was because we had a free ride credit if needed. Free ride credit is, well, one of the drivers fucked up on a job and was in some deep shit. Luckily, we, Nick and I, were in the area of West Texas that time, and our interest aligned to the point in which helping this driver would benefit us in more ways than one, and allow us to be given a free ride credit, which meant that we were untouchable for that one ride. I would prefer to keep holding on to that free ride ticket for as long as I needed, so let's see. Thank you for listening. Sounds of Smoke is written by Anna Abrams and performed by Anna Abrams and Dan Medvedick.